It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 10th of December. It's happened again. We'll dig into it again. Jazz fall to Oklahoma City Thunder. And there's concern. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, Trying to make it more fun to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, I want to thank a bunch of you. If you're a Spotify listener, they're doing that kind of season-end wrapped thing. Uh, And it shows you the top podcasts. A bunch of people took screenshots, tagged me at at Sports or at Live, And uh, on Twitter... And shared it with me. It's super cool. I'm honored how much time you spent with me. If you get it again, we'll retweet it. We're trying to make a collection of them on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So if you get a chance uh, and you are a Spotify listener and using that, please, please uh, let us know. It's kind of cool. Super, super appreciate you doing that. Um, wow. Uh, I Sometimes I have an intention of what the the, the mood of the show is trying to be. Um, I'm not sure I have that for you. Um, usually, I always have a feeling like people are jumping one side or the other in overreaction, but I'd say that like the reaction is, some of it's absurd, um, but most of it's like, wow, we've lost six of eight and been down 20 in all six. Our two wins recently are against Memphis. Um, it's strange, I think might be the best way to say it. Um and, you know, this is the same team that beat Philadelphia and Milwaukee earlier. So it felt like there was a lot there and it was coming together. And while it didn't feel great at the time, you still thought like, um, you still thought things were, were all right. Right now, you're not, you're not certain. Uh, let's walk through last night. Um, the big picture is that the same thing is happening virtually every night so that's and that to me i can't figure out that either means one of two things and i guess it depends what your mindset is that means either it's not fixable and uh this is the reality of what we have and oh dear goodness or two it's just an easy fix we fix this one thing and we're all right i mean the big picture item is our starters this is with mike conley are plus 17. Um, our next two main lineups with Mike Conley are plus five and plus five. The starting lineup we've been rolling out with Mike without Mike Conley in 111 possessions is now minus 15 with an 86.5 offensive rating with Donovan, Royce, Joe, Boyan, and Gobert. So that's a little disconcerting. And then when we get to our bench every night, the world falls apart. Let's walk through last night uh, on two kind of different levels. Uh, Just kind of how the game played so we can get a feel for it and understand it. And then we'll dig in. I played last night trying to see if I could come up with some 
analytical answer to what I'm about to show you. So starters start the night. They go minus one, first substitution in. So they, they play six minutes, and at the end of the six minutes, we're down one. All right, that's not great. We'd like our starters to have us be ahead. It's not end of the world. Um, you also kind of knew they were going to be different without Gallinari. They should have a hard time scoring. Um, but they should also uh, be really good defensively. Chris Paul, Steven Adams went out. They were up 17-12, to 12, so their starters were actually plus five, which that's not great. Um, they shouldn't be that good at that point. Uh, then we go to the bench, and then it just starts to fall apart. The lineup of Donovan, Emmanuel, Jeff, George Niang, and Ed Davis is minus four. We come back in the second quarter with Donovan, Boyan, Jeff Green, George Niang, and Ed Davis, and we're another minus four. Um, then we kind of work our way back and we, we bring the starters back to close the half. They, they come back into the game. Obviously I'm focusing on rotation stuff here. Uh, they come back in the game. We're down 47, 40, and they bring the game back a little closer to 49. Uh, the halftime score is 51, 47, and you know, frankly, we had it down at 49-47, got a stop, had the ball with 34 seconds left. Royce went to dunk it. O'Neal blocked, uh, Adams blocks it. Bogdanovich fouls Gilgis Alexander in the open floor, and he gets two free throws to push it back up. They kind, You know, they really kind of cut it to two, had it down there. Uh Boyan just hit a three, and you had the game down to two. So then we start the third quarter, obviously, with our starters, and they're not great. They're minus five. Um, Their starters, again, are plus three. You know, that's not great. Like, Donovan, Boyan, Joe, Rudy, Royce should outscore Stephen Adams, Chris Paul, Darius Baisley, Abdul Nader, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Okay, we should should outdo them there. We don't. Um, But we're actually... Doing a pretty good job in the quarter. We The game is down. We've begun to get some momentum. Donovan scored on two of the last three possessions. Chris Paul is trying to will the Thunder. He under, kind of understands his rotation. He's, he's suddenly scored back-to-back plays. Chris Paul turns it. It's 64-57. Chris Paul turns it over. Joe Ingles with a great steal. And Rudy Gobert decides to play Giannis Antetokounmpo and go coast-to-coast. With wide open guys, get a charging foul. And that's a chance to cut it back to four. Maybe a big deal, maybe not. But it is the moment where the game swings. So the Jazz have the ball. Chance to cut it to four on a three, an open three, or cut it to two on a layup. Rudy doesn't give it up. And we come out of that timeout after... Quinn challenges trying to bail Rudy out. Donovan subs out. Emmanuel Moutier subs in. And the world falls apart. And we're now down 20. It's over. Like, it's great we have this income, but it's over. Like, in by 130 left in the third quarter, it's 85-65. Yeah, I don't know if these are related, but Rudy makes that drive, and it's a 21-8 to run in the next five minutes. 
felt like they, they were related, frankly. Felt like that just took the air out of the building. And it's over. Like, it's over, right? Like, we can... You're down 20 with 13 minutes and 30 seconds to play. It's over. We're down 20 a lot. Um, that's discouraging. And so that's the way the night played last night. And that is somewhat consistent to the way it feels as though the Knights are playing on most nights, which is, you know, we go and make a run or they make a run and we go to our bench and it starts to fall apart. Now, we weren't great otherwise last night either. So I don't want to, um, I don't want to overwhelm it. Trailing by 15 points is always kind of, to me, a sign of where teams are. Leading by, so Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Denver, Boston, and the Lakers, Toronto, Clippers, Dallas have trailed by 15 or more, the fewest amount of anyone in the league. Uh, for minutes, total minutes of games. For total games played, Milwaukee, Toronto, Dallas, Oklahoma City, interesting, they play slow. Denver, 76ers, Lakers, Rockets have trailed in the fewest amount of games. Where are we? We have trailed the ninth most by 15 or more. The only teams that have trailed more are Memphis, New Orleans, Charlotte, Washington, Atlanta, New York, Cleveland, and Golden State. The last few have trailed a lot more. I don't know what that means. It's just a number I've always looked at. I always check it every year. The two numbers I look at is who's led by the most by 15 and who's trailed the most by 15. And I always think it kind of gives you a little bit of idea how teams are playing. And that's how we're playing. Um, and I really think it's... I. I, I, and again, I don't know long-term, like if you're asking me long-term, um, I don't really know what this means, but I think it's the same issue we've been talking about a lot. I don't think we've misdiagnosed it. I don't think it's something new, and we'll talk about that uh, as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Murdoch Hyundai is located in three locations up in Logan, down in Linden, and right down in Murray at 4646 South State Street. Uh, I was talking with someone yesterday. We're talking about the Hyundai Santa Fe. Both of us owned it. Loved, loved the Hyundai Santa Fe. That's their mid-sized SUV or kind of their full-size SUV. The Palisade is the new one that's taking uh, the world by storm. The new eight-seater. They're so proud. You talk to Hyundai people, they're so proud of what uh, has happened there. There's the Tucson, which is smaller than the Santa Fe. And then there's the Kona, which is the small, zippy, really fun one. Uh, and though that's the lineup. So the big Palisade eight-seater. The Santa Fe, which is your full-size SUV. The Tucson and the Kona. Great products across the board, technologically advanced. Back seat doesn't open. And if your kid tries to open the door and there's a car coming, it's got a safety feature. It's symbolic of just all of the safety features Hyundai has. There's also the Sonata and the Elantra uh, in the sedan lineup. If you're looking for a car right now, I'd strongly suggest you include Hyundai in your search. You can decide what you like, what you look best, what's the best for you, but at least look at what Hyundai offers for you. And when you do, let us know. Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. And I will send out an email and we'll let the, our contact at the one of the three locations know beforehand so that you get treated like 
the VIP king or queen that you are. It's Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street, as well as in Logan and in uh, Linden. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Reminder, if you uh, are a Spotify user and you had one of those screenshot that, how often you listen to Locked On and uh, send it to me at Locked On Sports. Want to recognize you. All right, let's walk through a few things because I, I really do think that this is the same issue. And I, I've been, I, I actually played around for a long time last night trying to see if there's a way to solve it, uh, at least mathematically, like on paper, which doesn't actually ever solve anything. So... The issue is if one of our primary three offensive players leaves the game, we have a really hard time scoring. Uh, And Mike Conley didn't play last night. So in turn, we had a really hard time scoring last night. Now, we also, you know, on the night, I I, I think you felt it for me yesterday. I didn't love the Memphis game. Um, And the reason I didn't love the Memphis game is we just hit shots. And had our best offensive game of the year. Last night, we just didn't hit shots and had one of our worst offensive games of the year I don't know that I think now the way we're built right now we're not offensive we don't offensive rebound a lot so you're not covering up your offensive rebounds you're not covering up a bad shooting night with offensive rebounding right like that's not that's not really what we do um our offensive rebounding rate was 14 percent last night if if you don't offensive rebound you have to shoot lights out for that to work Last night was our 23rd ranked offensive night of the year. The Lakers was our 20th. Philadelphia was our 22nd. Like three of our last four games are pretty tough. Oklahoma City's an okay defensive team. Though in fairness, let's let's take a moment here. In fairness to the Jazz, Oklahoma City is an okay defensive team without with Danilo Gallinari on the roster. And Danilo Gallinari is a defensive disaster. He's an offensive marvel. And so the minute he leaves the team, they are an elite defensive team. So really, we played yet another elite defensive team. It doesn't make it okay, but just we didn't get beat last night and have the offense get shut down by the 14th-ranked defense team. When Gallinari is off the floor, they're 13 points better per 100 possessions defensively. It's quite remarkable, actually, what they're able to do. Excuse me, I just... Had to get a sip of water. So, you know, 
we've had this stretch where we've played Milwaukee, who's the best defensive team in the league. We had a great offensive game. We played Toronto, who's Indiana, who's a good defensive team. We've played Toronto. We played Philadelphia. We played the Lakers. And we played the Thunder last night, who are really one of, one of the elite defensive teams in the league when Gallinari doesn't play. Now, they shouldn't have scored on us last night, and they didn't really score on us last night. They had a 101.6, and as good as they might have been defensively, our offensive rating was an 88 last night. So it was an offensive problem last night. Somewhat because we went 8 of 31 from 3. The two previous nights, we had gone 33 of 65 for 3. And so, you know, I hate to say it, but you equalize, this is such a boring take, but you equalize sample size over a period of time, and it's stunning what happens. But, it's, you know, we're still on the wrong side. We're 41 of our last 96 from 3. Stretch it out and include... The 76er game, where on the back end of a back-to-back, we didn't shoot well, and I'll bet we get right back to our season average. Right? So, you know, that's that's the re- the unfortunate truth is that you just can't shoot 50% every night. It comes back to get you. So let's, right, if you suddenly look at our last four games, I'll bet you we're right at our 38%, pretty much. We're 46 of 118. But let's get back to the offensive issues, and I've talked about this before, so it's not utterly new but it's it's still real so if we take Boyan off the court our offense is in the second percentile at 96.7 sixth in shooting sixth percentile in shooting 14th percentile in turnovers sixth percentile in offensive rating we actually go to the line without Boyan we're, we're minus nine overall our defense is okay we take Mike Conley off the floor And remember, this includes the Memphis game just the other night where we were unbelievable offensively. The 124 didn't play the whole night. We're still 15th in the league offensively. Or excuse me, 15th percentile, not in the league. 15th percentile of all lineups. In other words, 85% or better. We turn it over really high rate. We don't offensive rebound. It's not great. We shoot okay. We can't overcome the 17% turnover rate and the lack of offensive rebounding. Uh, the lineup of Donovan, Royce, Boyan, Joe, and Rudy that we're starting is really struggling. Offensive rating is an 86.5 without Mike in that lineup. We take Donovan off the floor. The same thing happens. So now, what do we do? If we take one of our three guys off the floor, our offense without Donovan goes to 99.0 or the fifth percentile. Okay, so Boyan's off the floor, we're in the second percentile. Donovan's off the floor, we're in the fifth percentile. Mike Conley's out the floor. We're in the 15th percentile. A little bit of the scary one on Donovan is that 136 of the 608 possessions without Donovan, which comes out to about, call it 20%, is actually a lineup that's really good. It's Mike Conley, Royce O'Neal, Boyan, Joe Ingles, and Rudy Gobert. It's the starters plus Joe without Donovan. And the offensive rating is a 116.9. So... You take Donovan off the floor and you take and, and and you take get rid of that lineup and then we really really can't score. But, you know, let's not just narrow in on everything. When you take Donovan and Mike off the floor, it's interesting the offense actually gets pretty good. Okay? So Emmanuel Mudiay on the floor without Donovan or without Mike, and the offense is suddenly in the 60th percentile. 
to play only 248 possessions. This is positive. Add Boyan, and the offense is without Donovan and without Mike, and it's 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 really good. It's only 137 possessions, but the offense is in the 97th percentile. Okay, too small a sample size, but at this point, I'm taking any positive I can get. Like, that's interesting. So we take all these guys off the floor, we're a mess. We suddenly take Donovan and Mike off the floor together and let, don't have a battle for who has the ball, Emmanuel just has it. We're okay. We're okay. We're in the 60th percentile, 110.5. Our defense is actually really good. It's one of the best defensive lineups overall in the league. Gobert's been on the floor for a lot of it. But even with Ed Davis, it's fine. It's only 248 possessions, but it's actually good. Plus 18.8 overall. The offense is in the 60th percentile. Maybe there's maybe there's something there. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Boyan with a second unit is a little bit of an answer right there. Let Emmanuel go, play with Boyan, neither of them big passers. Let it go a little bit. It's an idea. Because when you isolate our bench, guys, it's ugly. Ed Davis on the floor, offense is a 93.9 in the first percentile. Not like first as in best, as in first as in last. Jeff Green on the floor, 101.2. 7, 10th percentile. Emmanuel Moody on the floor, 105.129th percentile. Without Donovan on the floor, Emmanuel, our offense with Emmanuel Moody is better. Our offense goes to a 115, 116, and our differential's great. Our differential's a plus 18.3. Again, only 216 possessions. Not enough that I feel that comfortable making a decision, but trying to find something that gives you some idea of how you can move this forward. And then the unfortunate one, because he's just one of my favorite people, uh, is George Niang. When he's on the floor, the offense is in the first percentile. And we're minus 13.4. Okay? So, where does that leave us? I'll give you a hypothesis when we come back, and then we'll Time Machine Tuesday to try to give us some happy memory. We'll go back. I think we're going back to 1984, December 10th, and see what happened in 1984, December 10th, when I pulled it out of the hat. I haven't looked yet. I do it live with you. Um, on our own. Today's show is brought to you in part by Homie. Homie is revolutionizing the real estate market and changing the way you have to spend your money. Frankly, homie is just saving you money. The blimp is flying through Vivint Smart Home Arena every night, giving away money because, frankly, that's what homie's been doing is just giving money to people in Utah. And what do I mean by that? Well, the real estate world used to just be that you had 6% just going out the door. Well, homie doesn't play that game anymore. Well, we're not playing that game, homie. Homie's playing a different game entirely. When you... Buy a house. It's not free. The money you use to buy the house pays the seller, their agent, whatever agent you choose. Homie is now going to do all the regular things, work to find you, tour houses with you, make offers, negotiate deals, and then work to get you $5,000 back. And plus, when Homie sells your home, they do it with a set price. It's absolutely... But golden change in the marketplace. So text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588. If you're in the market to make a move, text LOCK to L-O-C-K-E to 88588.
888 and find out what an experienced local homie agent can do for you. And see how you can save thousands when homies got your back. Text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now... Now, the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. Starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network, right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com com slash locked on Tuesday edition by the way of rejecting the screen is out so make sure you go grab that uh, when you're done with this show all right let's so here's the one theory idea that I have here um try I you know just trying to find an answer uh boyan with the bench has been good so if you take Boyan on the floor and take Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley off the floor, it's pretty good. It's 137 possessions. It's not much. It's like a game. Uh, it's plus 33.6. It's 119.0 is the offensive rating. The defense has been good. It's done predominantly with Rudy on the floor, which is not quite the bench unit. Okay, so that's a little misleading. With Rudy on the floor, he's been on the floor for 79 of those 137 possessions, and they've been even better. If you take Rudy off the floor, which is really what you have to do in the bench units, then we're down to 58 possessions, but they're still plus 30. If you're going to play Emmanuel Moutier and Boyan Bogdanovich together, you're at 53 possessions. They're plus 15. It's really small sample size. And it's shot the ball unnaturally well and had the other team shoot the ball unnaturally badly, so I'm not sure it can hold. But it's an attempt. Because what we're doing right now is we have Donovan Mitchell on the floor. And when Donovan Mitchell is on the floor, without Boyan Bogdanovich and without Mike Conley, we're we're not getting much out of that. That offense is in the ninth percentile at 101.3, and we're minus four. Now, you take Rudy off the floor, we actually get positive in that circumstance, I think. Is that right? That's my memory. Yeah, positive 0.6. Offense is still at 105.3. We've shot it unnaturally poorly and defended really well in that circumstance. If you take Mike Conley and play him without... Boyan and Donovan, it has happened very, very rarely this year. And it has not been successful. So it's, you know, now it has actually happened so little this year 
it's not actually something. It's been 46 possessions. It's like without Rudy, it's 46. With with Rudy, with possibility of Rudy, it's like 54. I mean, it's just, it's 69. It's nothing. It's been terrible, but it's not enough to make any value judgment on it. So that's the only kind of thought I have trying to find you some sort of an answer today. I mean, the other, the other answers are simple. Like, we've got to get, like, I don't know. I thought there was something to watching Dort last night. Like, you're desperate at this point. but Like, Dort just played crazy hard. We don't have guys who, if they don't play hard, are going home. Right? Dort played crazy hard last night. 29 minutes of just pure playing hard. Baisley played pretty hard last night. Grabbed seven rebounds last night. 26 minutes, took two shots, just kind of flew around. Um, You know, doesn't feel like we're playing with that same level of juice. Like, I don't know that Jawan Morgan and Jarrell Brantley and Mia One as second-round and undrafted picks actually have that juice, so I don't really know where that juice is coming from, but it's not. Our veteran bench of Moutier, Green, and Davis, all top 10 NBA picks, don't play with that kind of juice. That's not it's not where they are in their careers. That's not the players they are. They 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 don't fly around the, the gym. All right, let's go back to nineteen eighty-four in our time machine Tuesday for the Utah Jazz franchise history. We're doing this together. Nineteen eighty four, December tenth. I don't even know if eighty four is any good. Oh, this is our first playoff year. This is fun. This is the first year Frank Layden. And the crew got us to the playoffs. On December 10th, we played the Houston Rockets. We won 128-121. Here's a note for you. We played on a back end of a back-to-back as the night before we played in Las Vegas. This is when the franchise was still in such... Oh, this is actually 83, so I'll switch years. But just... This is actually... Maybe we'll just do this one. Let's just do I went to the wrong year, but this is pretty interesting. In 1983, the franchise was in such a state that we were playing our home games in Vegas because we weren't sure that Utah was still sustainable. So on the ninth, we played in Vegas and lost to the Spurs, 126-117 to go to 12-10. and 10. Interesting. On the 10th, we went to 13-10 and 10 with a win over the Houston Rockets. So let's look at last, last night. We would have lost 126-117 to the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs starting lineup was Edgar Jones, Mike Mitchell, George Gervin, Johnny Moore, and Gene Banks. George Gervin had 36. Mike Mitchell had 36. Fred Roberts came off the bench for the Spurs, former BYU great. Jazz started Adrian Dantley, Daryl Griffith, Ricky Green, Thurl Bailey, and Mark Eaton. Thurl Bailey and Mark Eaton went scoreless. John Drew came off the bench for 35. Rich Kelly had 11. Jeff Wilkins. The next night, the Jazz were then back home playing the Houston Rockets on December 10th, 1983. The Rockets' starting lineup was Phil Ford, the great little point guard out of North Carolina. Rodney McRae, I think, was out of Louisville. Lewis Lloyd, Caldwell Jones, who was the center of the great Sixer teams, and Ralph Sampson. Ralph Sampson... If you remember, that night had 34 points, 18 rebounds, 11 of them offensively, and four assists, three blocks. He was 7-4, played 40 minutes. The bench for the Rockets was Robert Reed, Alan Lavelle, James Bailey, Elvin Hayes was playing eight minutes hanging on. The Jazz, on the other hand, started Ricky Green with Daryl Griffith in the backcourt, 
Adrian Dantley and started Rich Kelly at 7-1 and Mark Eaton at 7-4. Who'd they have with Ralph Sampson? Caldwell Jones. They were starting two seven-footers. How the world has changed since, well, we were playing in Vegas since 1983. John Drew came off the bench at at 16. Jeff Wilkins, Thurl Bailey did not start. He had 16. Jerry Eves had 14. Bobby Hanson had one. Jazz were led by 28 by Adrian Dantley, 20 by Daryl Griffith, 21 by Ricky Green. Jazz took six threes that night. Golden Griff took four of them. The Rockets took one. Might have been a buzzer, buzzer beater. And yet the effective field goal percentages were high. Jazz went to the line a bunch that night, won at 128, 121. Attendance, 8,914. So we're at the Salt Palace. 8,914. And the box score was the way, in the paper was the way they used to be where they were just printed out in little squares. So that is your Time Machine Tuesday back to 1983 when the Jazz beat the Rockets. Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in. Today's edition of Locked. On Jazz, we'll be with you tomorrow for Minnesota. Maybe I'll discover more. Maybe I won't. But we'll be watching it. Ron and I will keep an eye out. Watch Minnesota and Phoenix as well as watching the Jazz uh, loss last night. It's all coming up uh, tomorrow on Locked on Jazz. Right now, tell your smart device to play podcast, rejecting the screen, and listen to Adam Kozlov and Noah. Excuse me, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. Have a good one. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.